welcome to the Video Gamer Podcast, episode 223. My name is Colin Mahern, and with me this week, as always, you're under citizen's arrest, it's Alice Bell. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so zeitgeist. Uh, indeed. And, Alice, it's a special occasion. It is. A very special occasion. Super special. Mm, because, put your hands on the car... <laughs> And get ready to die, Chris Hallam. How's it going, folks? You all right? <laughs> Chris, it is a delight. You're all going to die. Do you, like, do you like that new shtick? Or call him... Call well, him every week, a different meme. From, from popular culture. And, uh, yeah. Um, did, did you see that video, Chris? Yes, yes I good, did. Yeah, good, okay. I won't repeat what I saw on the video. But, yeah, it was, I mean, um, it was impressive. So, I, for whatever reason, I, I hadn't... I completely missed it until last night. Okay. And... I was in fucking just in knots watching this thing. Put your hands on the car and get, get ready, ready to die. <laughs> it, it, the comedic timing from, I think someone like timestamped is like from like one thirteen until like one forty four is exceptional. It's just a total meltdown, isn't it? Yeah, it's amazing. <laughs> I suppose. It's amazing. If you don't know what, the, what we're talking about, it was uh, a short two minute video where... Um, he was a former BBC producer. He, yeah. did, he produced um, David I mean, Attenborough. Yeah, yeah. If he wasn't former before, he definitely yeah. is now. <laughs> yeah, and he had a kind of a, a road rage incident with just a, a family or whatever. Ended up in the car park of what I assume is the services, yelling at them about how he was making citizens. <laughs> he put an eleven-year-old into citizens' arrest, as it you was do. Just <laughs> fucking glorious. Uh, but yeah, Chris. Yeah. Do do tell I suppose like we will get into this more for VGBGs and all that uh, this Friday on Video Gamer Extra. But for everyone out there, like a kind of a brief little rundown, I suppose, of who you are. Introduce yourself. Oh well, um, my name's Chris Hallam. I'm the new news writer for VideoGamer.com. Um, what do you want to know about me? I mean, I mean give, give me three facts about you. Three facts. Mm. Well, like like an old dating video. Oh, like an old dating video. Well, um, I've been told that I have a very soft and soothing voice. Okay. Um, I'm a Manchester United fan, so apologies for that for some people. Mm-hmm. And Final Fantasy VII is the greatest game of all time. Boo! There you go. There's a turnover for the books. Isn't it? Fired. <laughs> yeah. Immediately. <laughs> Uh, well, yeah, good luck with that. I mean, it's, it's, it's good because I know myself and Alice have no affinity yeah. for... Well, I was going to say the Final Fantasy series, but that I was like the case 15, until yeah. you I played like, 15. I like the good boys Yeah, 15. But, the rest um, of it then is just like whatever. But Chris, it's an absolute pleasure to have you. Thank you. On to the news this week, because I don't know if you saw, lads, but it was Comic-Con this past weekend. And uh. one of the biggest major announcements coming out of it wasn't Ready Player One. It wasn't, what else happened? The Thor Ragnarok thing. Oh, the, whatever films, right? No, it was the fact that Telltale are making three new video games. I feel, and I'm not sure, like you probably do as well, because I know I covered the news yesterday yeah. and Chris was doing it Friday. And I felt like every other news story I wrote was like, in a trailer from Comic-Con this week. Yeah, yeah it was. It was Comic-Con. <laughs> Overload. Mm, but so Telltale have announced that Batman the Enemy Within, which has just occurred to me, that's the XCOM. It was the XCOM Enemy Within, wasn't it? It's Enemy it's Unknown. Enemy Unknown. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then I think maybe. XCOM Enemy Unknown, yeah. 
for two, they had another subtitle. I don't Sums know. Up. But yeah, so Batman the Enemy Within, uh, new five-part episodic series. Uh, episode one is coming out in August. Yeah. And it's where Batman is taking on the Riddler, I think. The Riddler is kind of the main baddie of it all. Uh, has anyone any bit of excitement? I mean, the first series of it, I didn't think was great. So, I mean, it had a lot of technical issues. I felt like it was a bit jumbled in, in sort of not knowing what it wanted to be, weirdly. I had a weird crush on the Penguin in it because, like, all the characters were kind of hipster versions. of Because mm-hmm. they're trying to make it different, which I admired them for. And But then, like, all the bad guys were kind of, like, young, cool, kind of sexy versions of themselves. So. Like Shoreditch Batman heroes. Yeah, pretty and much. Villains, yeah. obviously. It was kind of boring, though, wasn't it? Like, I, I think I... Yeah. Just, I at about episode two, I just thought, I've kind of had enough of this. Yeah. I, d- I don't know. It just didn't, uh, it didn't kind of take my fancy. Uh, another series, because Telltale just went and some crazy. Another series that uh, Telltale is bringing back for its final season. Thank God. Is Thank The Walking that. Dead. Uh, it's in, currently in development for, what would this be? Fourth. The fourth season. Yeah. Uh, and will be released in 2018. You're going to be playing as... Well, no, have they confirmed you're going to be playing as Clementine or it just focuses on Clementine? Um, is that sh- clever wording to then swap it and have They've you play said that else? she is the main protagonist, so I'll take it on oh, move well. away from Javier and the New Frontier, won't it? Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, how, do you have any attachment to The Walking Dead, Chris? I have played them, yeah. Um, I've played them all and watched the series and the Fear of the Walking Dead and all of that stuff. But Wow, really? Yeah. I've never met a real one before. Like, you watched real the Fear of the Walking Dead. Yeah, it's, it was actually painful, the first two series, but the third one's pretty awesome, actually. So it's <laughs> it's better than The Walking Dead, the last two series. Have I, been, I, I, I stayed with the TV show until, I think, the fourth or fifth season. And I just kind of had one of those life is too short moments. I was like, no, I'm not enjoying this, so I'm not going to watch it anymore. It's like EastEnders with zombies, isn't it, at the minute? Oh, fuck, <laughs> I definitely welcome EastEnders over to Walking Dead, to be honest. EastEnders with zombies would be great. Yeah, it would be. Yeah. The uh, only thing I know about the Walking Dead TV show is the, the memes where he's saying Carl. Carl. Like Carl. Carl. Carl, yeah. Carl, yeah. Andrew Lincoln. Well, Robert Kirkman did say that um, Rick's going to die and the series will be coming to an end, the comic book series. He said he's got it in sight, so he's working okay, on that now. I was going to say, is that, that's a, a bit of a spoiler, really, isn't it? Well, he, to... he actually said it this weekend, so it's out in the public domain. It's, oh, no, uh, but I'm saying, yeah, like, from his point of view, yeah. why would you spoil that you're killing off your main, main character? character? Yeah. Oh. It seems weird. But I am happy that they are finishing The Walking Dead because... Having played through the entirety of A New Frontier, uh, it did just make me realise that you need to finish this. This yeah. needs to be done. The story needs to be complete. I've kind of hit a wall at episode three at the minute, I think. Of A New so. Frontier. Yeah. That's yeah, actually yeah, probably will... the best part of it. The middle is actually... <laughs> it was episode two better. that I've like I finished that and then I haven't started the third one because I've just not felt compelled to. So I mean, yeah, I, I 100% get it. But one thing I know that Alice Bell would certainly be compelled to play is The Wolf Among Us <laughs> season two, uh, which is coming out in 2018. Um, yeah, this is obviously based on... Bill Willingham's Fables uh, comic series. Alice, so Mate, this, this was... <laughs> what was the story? T- do tell. Okay, what was the so, story behind so this? Let's be all started reporting there was going to be a second series because um, Adam Harrington, who played Bigby Wolf, uh, retweeted 
that uh, a tweet from the Telltale account saying they were going to make an announcement. And we didn't write a story on it because I thought it was a bit too tenuous. Um, and then a... Um, uh, oh, he's like head of creative communications or something. Jo- Job Stauffer? Yeah. Um, he replied to another website saying that like, I don't want people to get their hopes up in the wrong direction because Adam also works on other stuff for us. And um, uh, we'd love to step back into The Wolf Among Us. Like, don't get me wrong, we would love to do The Wolf Among Us again one day. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that seems pretty unambiguous. So I did do a story on how, like, actually they're not going to announce The Wolf Among Us season two. And then they fucking did. <laughs> and then, like, the day later, they said, I was, so, I was like, oh, my God. Uh, of all, well, I was going to say of all. Like, the two uh, Telltale series that I suppose just have, through, uh, through time, have, I don't know, just uh, gained more interest, I feel, from uh, from a cult standpoint, at least, yeah. uh, is The Wolf Among Us and Tales from the Borderlands. Because it, mm. it looked like we were never... I don't, I don't know if we're ever going to get more tales, to be honest. But it did look like we were never going to get more Wolf Among Us. Yeah, it did, didn't it? So I like, mean, Tales definitely ends on a cliffhanger as well, whereas Wolf Among Us yeah. is, is a bit more closed off, right? Like, it's mm-hmm. kind of a, story, a complete story, almost. So I would hope there'd be more Tales. But yeah, it feels like... Like, the, all the other games Telltale has been doing, they've not been necessarily received, like, that well critically all the time. And, like, mm. you know, The Walking Dead, like you said, has got to a point where they just kind of keep doing it. And a lot of them seem to be, like, tie-ins and um, like sort of more commercial, bigger, yeah. like, like Batman and Game fucking Minecraft, Game of Thrones and shit. And it mm. feels like they're kind of like, let's do something that everyone likes <laughs> when we did it before. Like, yeah. But it, it it did seem like The Wolf Among Us Season 2 was never going to happen simply because of the fact that, like 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 that, that it was just, uh, like what you said about them focusing on bigger properties, uh, whereas Fa- the Fables comic book doesn't have the same mass appeal as, say, a Batman would or a Game of Thrones. Or even a Guardians of the Galaxy. Or Good yeah. Dead, yeah. That's the, that's the other one, exactly. So yeah, very um, very much delighted with that announcement and uh, looking forward to playing more of that as i'm sure many were looking forward to playing more of pokemon go in grant park chicago illinois in america at the weekend so pokemon go fest was happening and this was going to be the first appearance of the legendary pokemon um (laughs) (laughs) and it didn't go too well now, I know I'm going to pass it over to my uh, Pokemon Go correspondent. You make it sound like I was there. Alice Bell. Well, <coughs> I, I think you're in the know more than I am about this. Basically, technical issues and hitches yeah, made right. this a complete disaster. So basically, it looks like what happened is it because obviously uh, to play Pokemon Go, you have to be online, right? It's yeah. an always online game. Um, and like, as you gentlemen and anyone listening may know from having been to like any like rallies or festivals or whatever when you get loads of people in one place all trying to use their phone it kind of steps on the network Mm -hmm. and and nobody can get online yeah and that's kind of what happened with pokemon go in everyone trying to get on those servers in one place basically like the game was kind of crashing under its own weight it looks like is what happened Mm -hmm. um which they kind of hadn't prepared for uh so uh, nobody really in the park could get online to actually play the game and do the event. Uh, it was worse for some carrier networks than others. So apparently, AT and T was the worst, and then Sprint was the best. It's basically the the uh, the carriers that had less people on worked better, I guess. Yeah, AT and T is always the worst, though it seems. Oh, it's like terrible. Like, uh, yeah. 
Um, yeah, that's the one that uh, my network piggybacks on in America, and it's shit. Yeah, Verizon yeah. said that it wasn't their fault that everything went to shit. Um, they said it was um, the servers couldn't handle it, and they had to um, turn off the animations, didn't they, so that people could actually access the game. Yeah, it was it was ridiculous. It didn't work at all, and like the, it, it went so badly that everyone that was there has now been given a well, has been offered a refund. A uh, hundred dollars worth of Pokecoins and just been given a legendary Pokemon <laughs> to, in their account. And like they eventually they had to expand. So they extended the event uh, for another two days in Chicago. The the Go Fest event mm-hmm. that was like a hundred percent catch rate on the legendaries. Uh, and they increased the radius to like two miles around the park. So And then just basically like got everyone to leave. <laughs> To lighten the load, basically, to disperse. Uh, uh, and then they've also, I believe, like, uh, you report this morning, like, Chris, that they've extended the event Yeah, they've worldwide extended it by well. three more days um, so people can um, access the collectible rewards. And um, that's um, to the 28th of July, yeah? It's 25th mm-hmm. today, yeah. So it's to the 28th of July, about 1am for us UK folks. So then that's where we can get all the legendary ones. But they were supposed to get like work together at this event so they could unlock these legendary pokemon by doing this huge raid but because everything went completely and utterly tits up they couldn't do that and they couldn't achieve the rewards in time so they just kind of unlocked it anyway yeah mm-hmm. it yeah. was just really and it's just, like i went i got tattooed yesterday and my tattooist was just complaining about pokemon go because <laughs> he was like i played it every day for like a year or whatever and they like yesterday tried to go get uh a legendary, legendary. And he said, like, I had to wait an hour for, like, the 20 people that you need to do the raid to turn up. And then I only had six balls to, that had a 2% chance each of catching the thing. Didn't fucking catch it. Now I have to pay more money to get more raid passes. It was getting livid. It was going, like, meanwhile, my mate who's at his desk in work has spoofed his phone, so he's in fucking Chicago. We've got 20 of them. He's got 100% catch rate. It's I, It was amazing. Uh, kind of, like, I, I, I watched the um, compilation oh video... Uh, today because like I wasn't entirely aware like that this was a, like I thought it was just like we're having this event at this area go there and do this but this was a proper full scale mm. big massive stage uh, presentation speakers uh, all that kind of stuff and yeah so they obviously live streamed it and someone has put together a, kind of a super cut of all the most kind of cringiest moments and it is like to be honest with you, right, there's, there's two parts of me while watching it. Like, one kind of going like, yeah, look, it is funny. But then the other part of me going, the poor bastards on stage, like, because they're trying their hardest. And like, yeah. it's kind of like, don't shoot the messenger. Like, and they're there, all they're trying to do is just kind of go like, come on, guys, Pokemon is great. And like, everyone is just booing, just in like, oh, it's it's unbelievable. And then the Niantic CEO comes out on stage. John Hankey, yeah. Oh, I'm trying... What did he even come out for? I don't know. I think it's just like, here's the Niantic CEO. Yeah, He's yeah. the CEO of the yeah. the game that you all love. Gets booed basically off the stage and kind of resorts to, oh, it looks like we got sunshine. Let's give it up for sunshine. Oh, it is Woo! exceptional viewing, Everyone's to be honest. chanting like, fix the game. And then uh, they do, they're doing those little events. So it's like, all right, okay, we're nearly counting down this event. Remember to make, you know, catch those last few Pokemon to make it count. And someone yells, we fucking can! Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> 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 like, later on, obviously, like, there some mics were on backstage and it picked up someone saying, like, at least they're not throwing bombs at us. And someone else is like, only because they don't have any. <laughs> 
it's <laughs> fucking mental. Like, when when did Pokemon Go? Was that only last year that came out? Uh, a little over a year now, a couple of months over a year, but something like that, yeah. Like, yeah. I, I, sometimes <laughs> it is a bit of a realization for me to see these kinds of things and go, oh, like people still play this. Like, it's still yeah. very, very popular. Hmm. Hugely, yeah. You know? Because everyone was saying, like, oh, it's not going to be that popular forever. And no, it's not. Like, there's always a drop it's off. Life on everything, there's always right? a drop off, right? But Pokemon Go was starting with huge numbers anyway. So even if it did have a massive drop off, we're still going to be like shitloads of people playing it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there are, as it turns out. So, Well, speaking of shitloads of people playing it, thank you, Alice. It's almost like you read the script. Uh, Dying Light. Was oh, f- I didn't, but was, fir- <laughs> was first released back in January of 2015, right? And they did, they did the numbers, the crunching numbers, developer Techland. And as of May 2017, the numbers have only dropped by 200,000. So it's gone from 700,000 in January uh, 2015 to 500,000 in May this year. So as a little kind of a thank you, I suppose, to their community still supporting the game, over the next 12 months, uh, Techland are releasing 10 DLC, 10, 10 different pieces of free DLC, which is, like, because fair enough, right? A lot of the time on this podcast or just on this website or whatever, we're going to bring to light things like Pokemon Go, but at the same time, I think it's kind of only right then to say, like, you know, fair play Techland. Like for actually, uh, for giving giving back to the fans, I suppose that are still kind of invested in this in this game. Yeah, you know. No, I didn't get on with Dying Light. I, I finished know. it. Did Did you? Yeah, yeah, I finished it. Um, I pre-ordered it on the PSN, so you got it like a month before Xbox, and I finished it like the day it came out in retail. So, shit, right? So, would you? Is this? Would this bring you back in, something like this, like more... more yeah, time? yeah, I'd give it a go, but I, I think it's also a means of placating people because they've not announced Dead Island 2 as well, isn't it? Mm, well, they've yeah. not like, announced anything else on it, but free is free, isn't it? And it's great that they are supporting the community, so props to them, really. I mean, it, yeah, I, I just never really got on with it because uh, I, I, I have a major issue with platforming in first person because yeah. it just does not fucking work. So when uh, in Dying Light, when it's so frantic and the all the parkour, the parkour and stuff. stuff, so the camera is going absolutely ballistic. Yeah. No, look, I mean, a lot of other people really enjoyed it. So like each of their own, but yeah, I just I couldn't couldn't kind of get past that. I just shot through the game, and when it came to night, I just went to the rest point to sleep because I just couldn't get on with it in the night parts. Oh yeah, that's right. The night was like. Completely pitch black, wasn't it? Really yeah, it was dead. pitch black, and then you had these beasts that ran after you, and they were just massively overpowered. So, or maybe I'm just crap, but uh, <laughs> it could be a thing. Yeah, it could be a thing. But um, yeah, I used to I used to just skip that segment, but I did I did enjoy it, not as much as Dead Island, even though that was like massively broken. Mm, yeah, yeah. Wait, you enjoyed Dead Island? In a way, yeah. In a way, this is I kind of, uh, yeah, I got, I got enjoyment out of it, but it wasn't a great game. It was very far from it, but I did enjoy Dying Light. I thought it was much more polished. Fair play. Yeah, 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 no, definitely. It's Mirror's Edge with zombies, basically. Well, I mean, yeah, I'll take that, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) Alice, will you take Casey Hudson returning home? Oh, fuck me, yeah. Um, That's amazing news. So, Bioware have made some changes. Uh, in the brass upstairs, uh, general manager Aaron Flynn 
After 17 years, he is leaving the studio at the end of July. And Casey Hudson is coming back in. Now, Casey Hudson, for those that don't know, uh, he was the director on Mass Effect. Mass Effect The original two. trilogy. He and was, three, you're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah he was yeah. involved in all three. Um, and also Baldur's Gate, Neverwinter Nights, KOTOR. I mean, yeah, it's his... It's just so many of my favourite games. His a list of uh, Bioware achievements are quite extensive. Uh, but yeah, in, in 2014, he left to join Microsoft. I think it was, to, as far as memory serves, I think it was something to do with HoloLens. I think he was um, kind of doing mm. something there and... I mean, Travelling around the world to find himself as well, apparently. Are you sure you're not thinking of the doctors? Or was that him as well? No, he was did that, He well? did a bit of that as well. Oh, yeah, yeah, okay. A bit of self-reflection. <laughs> what, the, was it the two doctors or one of the doctors went off to make booze? Yeah, which. one of them did. Yeah, oh. I don't remember which one. Yeah. Uh. Um, so, yeah, Casey Hudson basically said, quote, I'm thrilled to have the opportunity to return to Lead Bioware, a studio that I think of as home. Uh, When I look at the stunning progress that Aaron and the team has made with Anthem and the other projects in the works, I truly believe our best is yet to come. Now, this is obviously a bit of damage control. Uh, I think we could probably all agree because of the... uh, I think it's more like the anger that people felt for Mass Mass Effect Andromeda. Like, it was divisive and uh, that kind of division did, I feel, turn into just sheer aggression. And oh, just yeah. like, yeah. fuck this game. Uh, so like bringing back kind of one of your stalwarts is going to instill some faith in fans, I suppose. Yeah, I would agree. 100%. Uh, um, but, but, I, like, but also at the same time, lest we not forget that, as you pointed out, Chris, yeah. he was involved in the Mass Effect trilogy. Yeah, meaning originally. Meaning yeah. Mass Effect 3 as well, which was also got people quite angry. Well, not to the same level. Like, Mass Effect 3 is still... Do you think? No. Oh, I, I, mean, I think more. Well, People were no. fucking... Oh, Alice, rem- cast your mind back. Remember Mass Effect 3. And remember how fucking just enraged the people were. <coughs> there were death threats at the yeah. time. And, like, they were kicking I mean, there off- were death threats this time. This yeah, time they went after a random woman because someone fingered her as being an animation director when she wasn't or something. Yeah. And, like, uh, like... I don't think it would, because the anger this time was about the whole game, and the anger last time was about the end that people didn't like. But it was about the end that people didn't like after 120 hours as opposed to 40. Do you know what I mean? Like, it it was this, it it was the culmination that people were like, all my decisions are going to matter, all this kind of stuff, and then it came down to what colour. But regardless of that, like, it it is still, I suppose, yeah, it, it is good for Bioware fans that uh, you have this um, this Casey Hudson coming back to him, even just even just from a PR standpoint. To be honest, it's yeah. a good bit of PR for Bioware to uh, to have Hudson kind of back on board. Oh yeah, hundred percent. It's like they're 100%. bringing back the superstar, aren't they? So yeah, but I, I also don't think that Aaron Flynn did a bad job. They were no, there like, together, was, though, weren't they? Yeah, they worked there for for like it was Hudson's first job. Like, pretty much. Casey Hudson was there as well during the conceptual stage for Anthem as well. Oh, really? So, yeah, so basically Anthem, they were working on that for five years anyway. They've been working on it for five years. So he was there when they first started planning that, and then he left after, the, obviously, the end of the Mass Effect trilogy. Mm. So he's kind of seen it at first and then come back to see how it's grown, I mm-hmm. guess. Yeah. And, like, Aaron Flynn's been the GM since, I think it was just as Dragon Age launched. Yeah, Dragon Age Origins, and, um, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. I, I, I loved, you know, 
Inquisition and stuff. So, you know, I... Did you? Yeah. Did you really? Yeah. <laughs> what? Are you, hang on. Are you saying it with genuine surprise no, that I love Dragon Age Inquisition? Nice. Thank God. <laughs> Obviously, I'm well aware. You were just being a really Foul good shock. actor. Yeah, exactly. Fucking hell, you should know. I am a fucking master thespian, all right? <laughs> Jesus. Um, yes, of course, I know you You love Dragon Age Inquisition. and uh, So, yeah, I mean, it's not like uh, Flynn's CV can be looked at very highly as well you know like it's not it's not like they had a completely a dud of 17 years you could there's no way you're in you're in that position for 17 years by having duds yeah do you know what I mean uh, but yeah it'd be interesting to see where Bioware kind of goes for the future but let's look towards the past let's look okay. back about 20 years or so uh, back to the Nint- Nintendo 64 1996 Goldeneye mm-hmm um so a NeoGAF user by the name of Rosty uh, spotted that on the 18th of July, Nintendo filed a trademark application in Europe for four controllers, the NES controller, SNES, Switch controller, and the N64 controller. So this has made people kind of speculate, does that mean that we are going to be seeing a N64 classic mini edition, whatever the fuck the actual name for the NES and SNES mini are? Of course we are. But, uh, no. <laughs> I no, I th- they kind of did it last year with the SNES, didn't they? And they trademarked last year was the NES, and this year yeah. the SNES. Is that what you mean? Like- yeah, but they did it like a year in advance, yeah. and that's when the images leaked out. So I, did, I, I mean, this is from a, I guess, a fanboyish point of view, not from a, a working point of view. But I do think it's going to happen. I just worry about what's going to come on it. Really? Why? Well, the N sixty four. When you look at the Nintendo consoles, I think it had probably the weakest library overall and i say that as own i still own my n64 but the thing is you look at it like that was the time well it's the time when they sold rare isn't it Mm -hmm. just after that and what will they be able to put on the n64 that isn't a rare property do you know what i mean because you've got like the golden eye the perfect darks jet force gemini donkey kong diddy kong racing they had some good zelda games like i don't know if they put zelda on a mini there right They'll probably put one of them, won't they? They'll probably put Ocarina of Time. I mean, yeah, I think they'd have to put Ocarina on it, really. Yeah, and, and then uh, maybe a couple of the Mario parties as well, which were okay on that console. Uh, Mario Kart 64, probably. I could see that going on there. Super Mario 64. But then you could argue the better versions of Zelda were released on the 3DS. Mm. I don't I know. I mean, you could. <laughs> could argue that yeah i mean i've still i've actually got it in the box the um, ocarina of time on the n64 still do you yeah exactly make a mint on ebay it's in mint condition as well do but no chance do you have uh pre-order down for the snares mini yeah i put it down on the, the moment it was announced so like this so the n64 mini is like these classic consoles you've completely you buy into that i didn't buy the nes mini edition um because I had a Sega Master System, so I held that a bit more fondly, even though right, it wasn't yeah. as strong a console. But the SNES, I don't know. I thought, why not? Sod it. I haven't been that. Not that I haven't been impressed, but I just they don't they don't chime with me really. I don't like they don't have. I want tiny cartridges as well. Yeah, so, I mean, like so much of my experience of like the N sixty four and stuff is. <coughs> Excuse me, is like having a cartridge and having that tactile feeling, of like slamming it in and stuff. 
mm. blowing on it when yeah, it doesn't exactly. load. Mm. <laughs> when it doesn't actually help it in any way, but yeah. yeah. If they have tiny cartridges, I'll get it, but that seems unlikely. So. But the, the Mega Drive one does have cartridges, apparently. <clears throat> I think. Or, it, or there is a slot for cartridges. There's been so, about 10 different versions of the Mega Drive well, ones over the years, hasn't thing, there? Well, this is the thing, yeah. It doesn't have that same kind of special um, kind of specialness as the SNES Mini does because there has been so many of them before. Yeah, and Nintendo are so slavish with their properties, aren't they? They like don't really kind of... Um, they never license anything out, do they? Up until the whole Niantic and mobile games deal. They never have done so. Um, this is them taking a piece of that pie, but I'd kind of like to see it on Switch, really, all the virtual console stuff first, rather than a SNES Mini. On to what we've been playing this week, because I suppose continuing the Nintendo conversation, Alice Bell, you have played, we sadly couldn't talk about this last week, No, but uh, you have played and reviewed Splatoon 2. Splatoon. Splatoon 2. Yeah. Splatoon 2. How do you pronounce it? Uh, no, I was just saying Splatoon. Mm. Splatoon. Like if you put Why the two in it. Why didn't they do that? I don't know. Why didn't they fucking like Drift 3 or? Or was it Drift? That would be it, wouldn't it? Yeah, because it was. Yeah, Drift 3. Yeah, Drift 3, yeah. Yeah, and the fourth. Why, why didn't they go splat? That is proper. I'm fucking outraged. I, I didn't even see that before. <laughs> Sorry, right? I mentioned it. But, uh, but yeah, Alice, you played Splatoon 2. Yeah. whatever fucking Splatoon uh, yeah it's and I, I played a small bit of it at the weekend as well mm-hmm. uh, I mean I quite enjoyed it yeah uh, I think it's good like it I suppose it, it advances the ideas that they kind of set up in the original Splatoon really yeah I think it's more like um, I've seen people saying like, oh why is this not a 1.5 you know where people are complaining about you know Destiny 2 being a 1.5 why aren't people saying the same about this um, I think it is. It's they've advanced it enough that they can say it's a two, and it's on a new console that people actually have. So <laughs> that does help. Yeah, it yeah. does help. Um, it's really fun. It's they've added new stuff, like new weapons. They've added special abilities with the weapons that can really change the battle and the flow of battles and stuff. Um, it's still that. It still looks really lovely, and that the paint has that kind of almost solid, kind of pl- plasticine look. Yeah. When it lands and stuff, um, it's really fun. And the single player as well is really—it's well, it's you know, it's a Nintendo platformer essentially. The single player, so it's very well designed. Um, but the single player is kind of—is your your modern single player in that? Say, like you know, like uh, I think we spoke about this before when you were talking about um, what's the name of the pirate game, Skull and Bones. Yeah. Uh, about how that kind of looks like it will be like your For Honor single player and Splatoon is the Splatoon 2 single player kind of just teaching you how to play the game so you bring um, in those tactics in the multiplayer a little bit although I think there's more it layers up more and it becomes more of a challenge and stuff um, and, and but at the same time I wouldn't buy the game just for the single player mm-hmm. I think the, the multiplayer is definitely the more funner bit um, and the the new um, co op mode as well, Salmon Run's really fun. It's just it, you can only play it when you like so, locally. <laughs> Otherwise, you have to wait for like salmon spawning season, basically. Yeah, I, I, that doesn't really sit well with me. I don't understand why they've uh, kind of. So my understanding of it is right because I didn't play an awful lot of Salmon Run. Is that there are specific times and days where 
maps are available and then they will go away and then it's kind of a rotation of like three or four maps is it like every few well for Salmon Run yeah. it's like Salmon Run is only available at all at certain times like they're what That's, so they've gated is... it essentially well, it's, a, it's, ba- it's like an event like it's an oh, okay. event they'll say like and the, the Salmon thing is happening again then you can go play Salmon Run if so you I, think, want. I think that is absolutely ridiculous why you would it, it almost feels like back in the day uh, playing your Wii or whatever and you know every hour or something like that I would say I think you've played enough it's a lovely day outside get off your fat hole and fucking enjoy the sunshine and it's like no I want to stay inside and play my game and it's like if I love Salmon Run because there is a decent amount of buzz around Salmon Run which is yeah basically horde mode it's really fun is that I, what it is I've not yeah, played it yeah, yet, yeah. So. that's what like my big negative really is that Salmon Run is really fun let me fucking play Salmon Run mm-hmm, like yeah. uh this is also like the the versus multiplayer is really good as well, but it, like I just want to play Salmon Run. But I suppose Salmon Run is is the new thing. It's the new um, yeah, like because the multiplayer has oh, what's the name? It's a splat zone. They kind of like cover the most ground, whatever. Um, yeah, you whatever just have to called. cover the most floor with and your paint like color. a turf war. That's what it's called. called. Yeah, Oh, right. Where did they get that from? And there's the what's the other one? Tower is it? Yeah, so the the regular battles, uh, battles, ba- battles on the regular maps is just turf war, and then you go into like ranked battles, and then kind of m- more serious stuff mm-hmm. uh, that have the different game modes. Which I did level. I you have to level up to level ten in regular to access the kind of top, like higher tier mm-hmm. um, ranked battles and stuff. And I wasn't very good at those, so. <laughs> That's a shame. <laughs> but, but like, whilst playing it, I, I, I don't know, you do kind of get an appreciation for, for all things Nintendo sometimes. I don't know, sometimes I, I get this kind of feeling when playing one of the, a Nintendo game that is kind of similar to, a, like, a genre seen on a different console. Like, even like, like Splatoon, it's a third-person shooter yeah. that they have taken all the blood, gore, murder out of and replaced that with paint hmm. and fucking uh, s- squids and a boss that's a big fuck-off toaster. And it's just, it's just so ludicrous, uh, but really like, really enjoyable at the same time. Like, mechanically um, very enjoyable. Like, once you kind of get that... Like splat the paint on the ground and tra- use that as your kind of traveling, uh, so you can kind of build up speed um, by turning into the squid. I just, it's just really, it is good fun. It is good. It is yeah. good fun. That reminds me of that, like what Harvey Smith. Did you see this? Actually, I didn't use story about it yesterday. Harvey Smith, who is uh, the creative director at Arcane Studios, is talking about how they do stories and concepts and stuff. Uh, and he was basically saying like people like when they see something familiar done in a new way mm-hmm. uh, so like that I kind of he said like loads of people have done elves and dwarves fuck that we're not doing that like <laughs> literally said fuck that in the interview um, and that kind of I think applies to Splatoon because it is there are a lot of familiar mechanics in it and it's a shooter but it's not like a war shooter not like a space fucking jetpack yeah. war shooter or anything like that it's yeah it's ink and it's cool <laughs> there you go uh, there isn't an awful lot you can do with football, Chris. Like, I mean, it is... 
Well, I suppose like Rocket League did it with cars. Fucking say that Rocket League. Yeah, behold yeah, the right, kickman okay, has just come out. All right. <laughs> Mario Strikers. Fair, Check yourself fair, before you wreck right, yourself. Listen, ahead. they're just looking for a tenuous fucking link. All right, because Chris has been playing the Pez 2018 beta. Indeed, I have. Uh, how'd you get on with it, Chris? It's actually um, been pretty fun. Um, I've, I'm a self-confessed um, Pro Evolution fan. Um, so I've been playing the games for years, including the Japanese incarnations. But this is the first time I've played a Pez online and not hated it. Right, okay. It's like, it's considering it's a beta, it's so much more stable and a much better performing online football game mm-hmm. than it has ever been. Um, it's There doesn't seem to be so much lag. Um, you're able to... It, it pretty much kind of... Um, it's like playing single-player offline or with your friends, mm-hmm. and you have that same feeling online, and it, it doesn't really seem to have many drawbacks. So, so far, I'm absolutely chuffed with it, really. Because I, I didn't get to play the, the beta, but yeah, I played it... How long ago was that? A couple of months ago. Um, like, was it in terms of matchmaking and all that? Was that okay? The matchmaking isn't super quick, but it's a beta, so you kind of accept that. But it's once you get into a game, and I think it's region locked. So I think like we are locked into Europe, and then US and Australia has its own area. So um, I think it, it matches you up with someone with a strong connection because I just went into the online matchup, so it's kind of random. And it takes about a minute or two to get into a game. But then once you're into that, everything is just so smooth and so slick. And there's no lag when you're playing as well, which is great. The only drawback I have was the player selection when you're trying when you're automatically changing between players using the shoulder buttons, like the L1. Oh, right, okay. Um, that, there was a bit of issues with that, the way it deselected or selected somebody else um but apparently they've already worked on that because it's an older build it's more of a server test but yeah it's really good chuff with it yeah how how did you find it in comparison to last year's last year's model uh night and day i think uh, i i liked 2017 i thought it was fantastic um and i thought it really had kicked on quite a bit but um this time around um, I like the mechanics that you can use. Like, say, when you've kind of got the gameplay traits from different teams. Yeah. So, say, like, obviously, if you were to play as Barcelona, you have the Tiki Taka. If you're as um, playing as I was, I played as Brazil. It's you have Brazil and France, and um, I was playing as Brazil most of the time. But I love the way that the team just um, flows and moves, and it's almost it's not like watching it on TV, but you kind of get a sense that there's a lot more work gone into the AI of the game and the way players move. Hmm. See, I, I, as I say, I played a couple of months ago and I, the real takeaway for me was how much slower it was than last year's model. Yeah, the pace is uh, different. It's, it's, but not in, not in the same way uh, as uh, FIFA in that like it doesn't feel like the ball is a brick and that you're kind of playing in a swamp. It just... It feels kind of more simmy. It still has that fluidity to it, doesn't it? It's yeah, yeah, it's yeah. like think of Pez twenty seventeen as Pez two, and this one as Pez three when it marked a different change in the pace of games, mm-hmm. and uh, it does slow things down, but not to its detriment. I mean, it's it's definitely shaping up well, uh, and I understand. Yeah, it is a beta. The matchmaking is going to be kind of run into a few 
bits of difficulty, yeah. but you found it generally okay. For something that's in development, it's pretty good shape at the moment, I think. And I'm looking forward to actually playing it online this time around because before it infuriated me, so I gave that's, up on it. That's good. That's good. Uh, because it is important when you're playing together that uh, everyone is kind of on the same. She knows. She knows I'm, I'm trying my best to somehow do it. Uh, like, it, it's important that like everyone is... Uh, on an even keel, uh, an almost. Even keel. Everyone is. Um, <laughs> is I'm not going to help. I'm trying to just get keep the, going. I'm trying to do something about the asynchronous thing, and I can't. I can't work it out in my head. Uh, asynchronous multiplayer, anti-hero. Alice, you played anti-hero. Sorry, that was a bad one. No, I'm so sorry. I, f- I feel like I put you off your game by smirking at you as you were doing. It. I'm sorry. <laughs> Uh, anti-hero t- t- I don't know anything about anti-hero I thought anti-hero is great I've enjoyed it a lot so it's an indie game it's made by one guy so if you look on our review of anti-hero on videogamer.com the developer is just this dude uh, <laughs> this dude well, I can't remember his name right now I'm really sorry if you're listening no it just sounded cool um, and it's it's kind of styled a bit like a board game so you're, the map is quite small it's basically like uh, set in kind of Dickensian Victorian London uh, and you play as a master thief and then you have to kind of win victory points and kind of take over the uh, the map of the city, basically. Uh, and you win victory points by um, assassinating little assassination targets that pop up on the map sometimes and they move around um, by uh, occupying churches and getting a bribery point because if you <laughs> occupy churches, you can bribe people. Um, by... Uh, just delivering blackmail, like spending some resources to do that. Um, so there's a bunch of different ways that you can sort of accrue points to win. You have to win five points, victory points, before your opponent does. So it's 1v1, and there'll be someone else playing another thief. Right. Uh, okay. And it's really fun. It's turn-based. You get so many moves you can do per turn, which you can increase. Uh, and it's just really good. Really good. Like the the tools that you get to play like a really interesting game, really well designed. So the whole map starts off and it's all like covered fog of war. Like you you can't really see anything apart from where the different districts are. Mm-hmm. So you have to use your master thief, who's essentially I guess like the queen because they can sort of scout anywhere um, for a given number of moves. So you use them to kind of scout stuff out. You see what's going on in different districts. The different districts have different buildings in them. So like a bank will give you money. Um, uh, uh, a pub like a gentleman's pub will um uh give you access to thugs for cheaper you can get an orphanage and that gives you urchins for cheaper and urchins are what occupy buildings for you churches um like merchants houses which give you lanterns which is another type of currency it sounds sounds like quite deep it is quite deep like it's kind of um like easy like easy to learn but hard to master yeah and it's interesting as well because you can already see people having like emerging with different tactics, their preferred way of playing the game. Mm. So, um, and I mentioned this in the review, but you'll get some people that go for churches because uh, if you can keep the church occupied, then you keep that victory point. Or uh, some people would just beef up with like gangs and thugs to kind of block your opponent and like kill all the assassination targets. Um, one guy who I played against uh, at the weekend because you can do. Um, asynchronous multiplayer so I in fact this morning got an email saying it's my turn oh okay um, or you can do live so I was playing a live game against the guy until like one in the morning because I took an early lead and then um, like I got four victory points and then he struck 
basically yeah. what he'd been doing was like he'd kept his side of the map and then had been like in the fog where I couldn't see, where I hadn't scouted, had just been buying units and not using them. So I didn't notice that like he hadn't built up a suspicious amount of gold because he'd been spending it. He just hadn't been using those units. Yeah. So in one move, he used uh, like a kind of a child catcher to yeah. like turf out all my orphans, occupy those buildings himself because he had like six orphans in reserve. Uh, and then like took over a church. The only reason that I didn't lose that game is because I had the foresight to trap one of the buildings I was in so he couldn't get it. It's so he he saved everything up and for like one like final fucking surprise yeah. attack, which is a very risky thing and it nearly paid off for him. I fucking I love the uh, the kind of different tactics involved in this and just from kind of listening to you talk about it, uh, like I remember you went off a couple of months ago went to a preview event and kind of came back again quite positive on what this could be and it sounds like it's turned out very well it's really fun it's really well that like there's a really nice kind of cohesiveness to the designs so or everything like if you saw an asset from this game like i'd be able to go that's from anti-hero yes because it's yeah, all yeah. like really nicely designed and then all the the um the maps are all kind of i guess not procedurally generated but like random each time you start a game so it's always a different map and all the districts have different names like like cheap side whatever like weird kind of semi-victorian like you know greasy stump and stuff like, yeah it's really fun and really cool i just the only thing i wish there were maybe more like maybe like a 4v4 and stuff but then at the moment it's really tightly designed i don't know if that'll make it too big but mm-hmm. it's definitely really good well it's, it's funny you mentioned kind of weird place names because having played Absolutely none of it. I can only hazard a guess that the place names in Final Fantasy XII are quite weird. Not one of your best there, Colin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they are. They're strange. Um, Final Fantasy XII. Um, well, we played that on the stream a couple of weeks ago. We did. Alice and myself. And we had an absolute riot, didn't we, Alice? My goodness. Yeah, it was It was a life-changing moment. Whoa. Unequivocally. Um yeah, so um, basically, um, I've been diving back into Final Fantasy XII after near enough ten years of not having played it, mm-hmm. and yeah, having a ball. It, well, do, do go, why? Why? How? How is it? How is it held up? How uh, is in the last ten years? Well, I think the the art design of it, for example, it was so well done at the time it's done really well in the kind of the upres to the remaster so it's like um even though it's an old game and yes it still doesn't look like a current gen game mm-hmm. right now it still actually looks really lovely and striking i think um alice might have um thoughts to the contrary uh, it's fine so yeah it was uh, it's cool and um it's it's quite nostalgic and nice to be able to jump back into something that I really enjoyed the first time around I was playing it. Have, have they changed much or anything? Um, you know it is, has, it, has it introduced any of the, the combat, mecha- combat mechanics from 15 or I don't know? Like, well, the you're com- talking to someone who has very little Final Fantasy knowledge here, Chris. Well, basically, um, Final Fantasy, obviously, it was origi- in terms of a traditional JRPG, so it's like turn-based. Um, as an RPG um, what Final Fantasy 12 did is it introduced something called the active time battle and that's the system which was then kind of enhanced upon in Final Fantasy 13 and then now with 15 which Alice has been playing which I haven't played yet 
and kind of what they've done on that is that was the birth of it so it's kind of you kind of choose an attack and then you can move around um then you also have the enhancement of being able to use the shoulder buttons to um, increase the speed mm -hmm. which we did quite a bit in really the, um, people in the, have been really liking it though yeah it's it's great because you can kind of like use that to kind of you have quite a lot of corridors to walk through so being able to kind of speed things up turns it into like a, a benny hill sequence so when you say speed it up just as in speed up cutscenes or speed no up? literally fast forward like. no just literally fast forward but you can't do it on the cutscenes, unfortunately okay <laughs> but it's really good in combat as well if you're just against a trash mob and just oh it's great it. you, you, you can set up your gambits handy, yeah. so you're like kind of basically think of it as like a in football manager you set up your formation mm -hmm. and then as soon as you go into battle it will automatically um take part in that battle by highlighting maybe the strongest person the strongest right, okay. enemy it will heal people if they go below 50 health it will do a magic attack oh, okay, on someone that's yeah, weak yeah. to like say like say a fire attack on someone that's weak to fire How, and was was that fast forward mechanic and all that was that in it wasn't in the original so notes this, and that's an enhancement really to the game so yeah. has this sped up the process has it made has it made it better worse I think it helps because ironically you can use a fast forward to help with the pacing of the game so i, I think yeah. that's a really nice addition because sometimes you just kind of the the when you run normally in the game it's not very quick um so being able to do this now it does speed things up so you kind of get that nostalgic hit without the drawback of having to put 200 hours into it and it's got the new job system the zodiac system um uh, which is a hark back to the original final fantasies whereby you have jobs based on class type such as like mage a healer um a distance fighter um a warrior mm. those kinds of things so that was originally implemented in the final fantasy 12 international version that was released in japan and they put all those changes into this remaster and then spruced it all up with fast forward as well hmm that's yeah, it in a yeah, nutshell. Well, I, I mean, yeah, I know what you're saying. It, uh, to help with the pacing, you just fast forward it, which does see. But but if if it does, and if like, this is this is a remaster, so I feel like you can kind of tinker with those kinds of things. Yeah, I mean, it's good because like sometimes you'd have like your random battles that you come across out in the open world, and sometimes you're fighting against like enemies that are just a pain in the backside, and you're like, this is a waste of my time. So the gambit system and fast forward just gets through them straight away so you don't feel like you're wasting time on things that are just in the way and clutter basically you were almost a jill sandwich it's me mario would you kindly let's go bowling this is my favorite store on the citadel war never changes Yay! every week on the video gamer podcast i test the gaming knowledge of my colleagues with a simple game called who am i i'll give five clues to the identity of a video game character and you alice bell and you, new challenger, Chris Hallam, must yes. give me the correct answer. All you have to do is say stop and then give me said answer. Right. Before we get on to clue number one, Chris Hallam, are you up with the rules? Are you familiar with who am I? Do you know what's going on? Yeah. Okay, good. So no stewards inquiry. If I'm just going to yell here. stop at every opportunity. Yeah. Okay. So clue number one. My first appearance in a video game came in 2001. Clue number two. My series creator said that I was to be stylish, showy, and witty when coming up with ideas for my character. 
Clue number three. I have appeared in five games in the series I am associated with. Clue number four. My first game was initially meant to be a sequel to a different popular video game franchise. I have no idea. I'm and still blind. Clue number five. I was once a blonde, but I got a bit of a chop and went brunette for my 2013 reboot. Reboot? Shit. 2013 reboot. Clue number one. My first appearance in a video game came in 2001. Clue number two. My series creator said I was to be a stylish, showy, and witty character when coming up with ideas for my character. Uh, Clue number three. I've appeared in five games in the series I'm associated with. Clue number four. My first game was initially meant to be a sequel in a different popular video game franchise. Devil May Cry. You didn't say... Stop. Sorry. Devil May Cry. Incorrect. (sighs) Also, that's not a character name. No, it's not, is it? Sars. And clue number five, I was once a blonde but got a bit of a chop and went brunette for my 2013 yeah, reboot. Just give me all you've done. I'm sorry, but everything has to be above board. Yeah. Give me the name of the character. Stop. Alice Bell. Dante from Devil May Cry. Congratulations. <laughs> Alice Bell. She stole it from under you, Chris. It was uh, yours for right. the take, my man. I'm just going to push you down the stairs oh, when we leave the room. Uh, so to go through <laughs> the clues, uh, clue number one, my first appearance in a video game came in 2001. Of course, the original Devil well May Cry. Uh, clue number two, my series creator, Hideki K- uh, Kamiya, said I was to be stylish, showy, and witty uh, when coming up with ideas for my character. He did. Clue number three, I've appeared in five games in the series I'm associated with. Obviously, the, f- the original four and then DMC and clue number four my first game was initially meant to be a sequel in a different popular video game franchise was it? yeah it was meant to be a Resident Evil 4 yeah Ah. it was yeah Uh, and clue number five I was once a blonde but got a bit of a chop and went brunette for my 2013 reboot of course talking about Dante from D well from Devil May Cry it was Ninja Theory that did the uh, reboot wasn't it? yeah Yeah. it was indeed I couldn't remember his name and I was like Devil May Cry (laughs) you bastard unlucky well there you go just, uh, I suppose, for yeah, for future reference, you know, look, it's 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 all it's a learning. First time. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's yeah. all a learning curve. They're both laughing at me, by the way, people. Uh, <laughs> Every Tuesday, we send the call out on Twitter.com over on our account at VideoGamer.com for questions for the question segment of the Video Gamer podcast, and this is that part. So, well done, you've all played your part brilliantly. So, the first question. We have is from Ross McMahon. Ross asks, right, let's get this sorted right away with Chris. Bounty? Um, I would say Grand Suite, because I know that would really annoy you, but it's always the one that's left at the bottom of the box of celebrations. Exactly. So and first of all, sweet, controversial. Yeah, I know. It's I was a bar, just. It's, 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 it's yeah. Well, this uh, is a whole I'm other think, issue. This now. is a different issue. I'm though, thinking of the bite-sized version. So yeah, but it's it is still a mini bar, isn't it? But yes, um, it's okay. But it's it's always the kind of the afterthought, isn't it? But would you still gladly eat one? Like if someone gave you a bounty, would you say thank you very much, mysterious I eat, man or woman? I couldn't take a sweet off an unknown person okay um, i couldn't eat it warm it'd have to go in the fridge a family member has given you a bounty <laughs> from the fridge oh I'd, pr- I'd probably eat it if there was nothing else better with so come on i yes i mean same question because i don't think you'd go fuck off i think I will, you'd say I'm i think <laughs> i think you say like oh thanks very much and then put it in your bag and then give it to someone else later or it'd be there months or weeks uh, later <laughs> i would yeah i probably i'd that's exactly what I do. I wouldn't just throw it in their face and go, "How dare you? 
how dare you give me coke and a chocolate, you bastard. It's like, do you know, you have to keep up appearances and just say, yeah, oh, that's lovely. Thanks very much. I'll save that for later now. I'll spoil the dinner if I eat it now. And just like, <laughs> just move on with my life and just forget about it. I wouldn't choose one. Uh, oh, Christ, no. Um, but speaking of, uh, David Salvadore asks, what's your favourite dessert slash sweet? So, Chris, go on again. You're on the, you're on the food train. Oh, dessert then, right. It'd be a pavlova. Interesting. Interesting choice now. Quite, yeah. quite the healthy option. I mean... Well, it's, it's a meringue. It's, it's, well, there's fruit involved. Yeah, it's, a, it's negative calories pretty much, isn't it? You probably use more energy eating it. Basically celery. Uh, well, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it's um, really unhealthy. But yeah, I, do, I love a good meringue, yeah. Alice, what, what's your favourite dessert? Um, I really like cheesecake, uh, and I have recently got well into cronuts. Oh, interesting! Because there's a cronuttery near where I live. What's a cronut? Uh, it's uh, basically um, ha- half a donut <laughs> and half a croissant. It's, it's oh, basically really? it's croissant pastry, and then in a circle, and then deep fried like a donut. And there's a, a place that does cronuts near me that does um, a strawberry one filled with creme pat. Which is really nice. What about you? Um, favorite dessert. Um, I I do. I actually. Do you know what? I'm a fucking huge fan of an apple crumble. Oh, I, I, I do enjoy an apple crumble with custard. Uh, uh, ice cream. Uh, I go ice cream. Uh, as well, yeah. Oh dear. Yeah, I would go ice cream. Uh, custard. I can take or leave. To be honest. Oh, Not a I'm from custard, North. No. You've got to have custard. It's with the skin on and everything. Yeah. Skin on, lumpy, you name it. It's, it's grand. I can take the ice cream and cream with it, but it has to have custard. As well. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, Patrick Rose asks, what's your or what's the favourite article? Yeah. What yeah, what's your favourite article uh, that you've ever written slash read? Alice Bell. I mean, it's difficult. It's so hard to choose from. So hard to choose so from my back catalogue. Well, no, because because when your job is writing stuff, you write a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, yeah, it's like anything. It's like when it's your job. Sometimes it's gonna. Sometimes it's not gonna be up to the standard that say a different one is. It's like going into your day job, and some days you're like, yeah, I fucking bastard today. Yeah. doing whatever yeah. stacking those shells I was brilliant at that today and the following day I was like oh, I was a bit lazy I wasn't really in the form yeah. um, I did one uh, when I was still well I'd been here like a few months I did one a feature about um, a video games burlesque night that mm-hmm. I went to and, and uh, Burns who I shouldn't mention that's <laughs> to bring the hordes uh, said that he thought it was one of the more interesting features he'd read that year which was a proud moment for mm, me mm. um in terms of reading stuff i mean it's difficult like you to think of one thing like the um i think it was Eurogamer did the retrospective online head that was really good um, yes yeah yeah you tend to like writers so like christian donlan i think everyone acknowledges is a very good writer um i don't know um I, for me uh it's probably uh, one of my debatables uh, because it is something that I did uh, do a bit ago um, on God is a Geek. And yeah, there was a couple where I remember I did one on game delays, which I was which I was quite proud of because uh, I just people people celebrating game delays is something that fucking arcs me to no end. 
It's yeah. like, yes, it's delayed, delay it, always delay it, never release the game. It's like, what the fuck? It's like, because, because of this mentality of, oh, a game is delayed, that means it's going to be good. No, it fucking doesn't. At all, It doesn't actually. mean it's going to be bad. I've never no, but seen, that's, that's like... the thing. It doesn't mean it's going to be bad, but it seems like the, the pendulum has shifted. Um, that doesn't make sense. What, to, like, to, shifted, to preempt people going, oh, it's been delayed, people are now exactly. being like, delays and it's just, are amazing. It's just like, delays are just delays. It's fucking, so yeah. Um, but I suppose, what's it? I, I, yeah, my I, other thing I suppose would be Feck Football, which was a seven-part dramatic <laughs> series. <laughs> that was really uh, good. Using Pez 2017 and Euro 2016. Would that be Pez? Yeah, it would have been because it's a year ahead. Um, so that too as well. Uh, Chris, have you any favourite article you've ever written, read? Um, I think my favourite I've ever written was, I wrote one called A Tale About a Fox, and I kind of just explored the themes of mortality in games, which sounds quite mundane, doesn't it? But it was all about when I was playing a game called Skyrim, um, which no one's ever heard of, hasn't really done that well. And basically, I was wandering along, I had my headphones on in surround sound, and... Um, I heard a growl behind me and I just turned around and swung the sword and killed this fox and then saw the ragdoll effects um, go into action. You see this fox tumbling down the side of this mountain, slowly gathering speed and ending up in this stream. And I kind of followed it for about 15 minutes, just this floating body of this limp dead fox. And I I felt awful because, um, I don't know, it's like... um, the foxes are, uh, if you, any of you have actually played Skyrim, it's quite an unheard of game. Um, the foxes lead you to secret treasures and different things in the game, like hidden places. And killing that fox, it was the first time I actually felt a sense of regret in a game. And I just wantonly kill everything without any thought. And this was the first time it actually hit me. So I kind of wrote about that. That uh, sounds quite interesting. Uh, I do think, though, that it is time, sadly... Uh, to wind things down here on the Video Gamer Podcast episode 223. So thank you very much, dear listener, for listening. Of course, VGBGs, you will be getting an extra bit here at the end uh, because you do uh, give us your hard-earned cash and support us, and we thank you massively for that. Uh, And yeah, you will be getting an extended bit, and you will also be getting an extra podcast, as I made reference to earlier, Uh, on Friday all about the story of one Chris Hallam which will be interesting to find out to delve deep on Chris Hallam's life which I'm sure the real life expose exactly yeah there's a lot of interesting little factoids are you Martin Bashir Um, in this story I mean I can be I suppose I won't say who I am Um, so uh, yeah so thank you very much for listening of course you can follow Video Gamer and all the relevant social networks Instagram Snapchat Facebook, Twitter, uh, all at videogamer.com. And we are also on YouTube, youtube.com forward slash videogamertv. Uh, you can also follow us all individually on Twitter. I am at column underscore Hearn. Alice is at babygotbell. And Chris Hallam is at IBU666. Indeed. Right, okay, go on. Why? Um, I don't know. I think it was like when I was a kid, I just kind of had um, a really crappy hotmail email as you do and it was, um, it, it was king ibrahim 007 actually at the time and then um the 666 obviously that was just to be controversial and um, <laughs> oh, it's in 2017 and it was just like basically i wanted um ibrahim and i couldn't have it and um 
it just auto-corrected to, to Ibu, and I was like, oh, sod it, I'll have that. I mean, and yeah. It's stuck. This is good a reason to any <laughs> Ah, it's loads of thought went into it, really, yeah. Fair. Uh, but yeah, for all of your video gamer needs, just head to videogamer.com. And now it's time for my least favourite part of the show. This is the part of the show where we must bid the listener adieu. So say goodbye, Alice Bell. Goodbye. Say goodbye, Chris Hallam. Goodbye. And say goodbye, Conor Mahorn, Sloan, Guffold. <laughs>